It's lovely to be here. Just so you know, today is the first in our two-part vision series as a church. We're taking a break from our identity series. That's been great so far, hasn't it? But we're going to take a break from that and come back to the identity series in a couple of weeks' time. But you know what? Every now and again, it is really helpful as a church just for us to take stock of where we are at, to look back together at what God has done in and through this community. Um, and to look ahead to what he is calling us into. So that's what the next two weeks are going to look like. Today, I'm going to be sharing lots of stories from 2022 as we celebrate all that God has done. Just say, if it's your first time here, that's a bit different to how we normally do our preaches, um, but I hope that it gives you a bit of a snapshot of what we're about as a church. And we've called this series Commissioned. And we're going to be basing ourselves in Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus commissions his disciples. And you know, it feels like God has led us to this passage in order to remind us once more of our mission and our purpose as a church. So let's jump in. The Great Commission, as it's called, comes at the end of Matthew's Gospel. And here we see the resurrected Jesus speaking to his disciples. Having been killed on the cross, Jesus rose from the dead. And then over a period of about 40 days, um, he appeared to his disciples. And this is one of those encounters, the moment where he commissions them to carry on his kingdom mission. After everything he has done and everything they have been through, we get to this pivotal moment. So let's pick it up. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So first thing to notice is this. Notice that when the disciples see Jesus, what do they do? They worship him. It's the only response they can give. And when we encounter Jesus, it's the only response we can give. And you know, last year as a church, we just had this continual refrain that we just kept coming back to time and time again. He will be exalted. We are to worship him. And today, kind of as I'm majoring in, as I said, on the looking back part of this series. And next week, we'll look forwards. So I'm going to be sharing lots of stories across our church. But as I do this, let one thing be really clear. Jesus deserves the worship, the glory. This is all him. These are stories of his greatness and his glory. He will be exalted. In the Great Commission, Jesus sends his disciples out, did you notice, with his kingdom authority to carry on with the mission that he started, to make disciples, to spread the gospel message and to invite people into life with Jesus. That was to be their mission. And God is reminding us as a church that this is to be our mission too, to spread the word, to demonstrate the kingdom, to tell people that there is more to life than they might realize, to invite them to say yes to Jesus, to receive his grace, to be a new creation. And one thing I love about this passage is that Jesus commissions the doubters as well as the worshippers. And that's probably a good summary of the mix that's in this room this evening. Some of us are worshippers right now. You know, we're full of excitement for who God is and what he has done. Some of us 
might feel more like doubters this evening. You know, we've got questions, concerns, worries. And what I love is that Jesus doesn't dismiss the doubters and just commission the worshippers. He calls us all. He commissions us all. And, you know, our response as a church to this commission has never stopped. But over the last couple of years, it has looked different. It's had to because of all that we've been through. But I feel God calling us back to remember what we are about as a church. And in response to the Great Commission, our vision as a church is to restore the city and renew the nation. And we need to be reminded of this and not lose sight of it. With this in mind, as I look back over 2022, the purpose of doing so is to remind us of what we are called to and to remind us of who we are. And I'm going to be sharing stories today through the lens of our values as a church. These values are how we begin to outwork the vision that he has given us. They are how we collectively outwork the Great Commission. Now, I'm sure you all know our values off the top of your head, but just as a reminder... Our values all under the umbrella of this. So we, are, we are to be captivated by Jesus and compelled by his love to be, and then we've got five things, a graceful community of kingdom carriers and shameless worshippers who are courageously compassionate and outrageously generous. Those are our values as a church. And I'm going to work through them now and just share stories as I go. So firstly, we are called to be a grace-filled community. You know, the grace and forgiveness that God shows us means that we welcome anyone. We forgive quickly and we love extravagantly. And this church is open to everyone. All are invited to come as they are, to encounter the love and grace of Jesus through being part of this community. There is always room for more. And when we run out of room, we launch new small groups, new sites, new kids groups to make sure that our doors are never closed. And you know, we have continued to grow as a church this year across all of our sites. You might not know that we are a multi-site church. So we've got this site here in the central. We've got a site in the north of Cardiff and then a site in the west of Cardiff. And we've grown across all of our sites as well as in our kids and our youth as well. It's hard to give an exact number, but we reckon we've had about 100, 150 grown-ups join our church in the last year. And you might be one of them. You are so welcome. I hope you realise that. But it's not about the number At the heart of this are people, individuals, each with their own story to tell, their own experiences, their own brokenness. And we want people who encounter this community, whether it's because they come on a Sunday or whether it's because they come to an event that we run or a small group that's happening or they engage with us through a restore project. We want people to encounter the love of Jesus. I just want to share one story that I was sent from from Joey, who runs our Grow Baby project, that kind of encapsulates what I'm talking about. Grow Baby is part of our Restore ministry, our compassion ministry. And Grow Baby supports vulnerable families across Cardiff, providing not only clothing and equipment for babies, for children, but also much-needed friendship and community. And these are Joey's words. She's called this story from Russia with love. She says this, Amongst our families who attend regularly, we have a small group of Russian ladies. Earlier last year, when the Russian invasion of Ukraine began, everyone was shaken to the core of news of the atrocities unfolding in Ukraine. But I would say that we were seeing no one more shaken than this group of mums. Many Russians in the UK have fled here to seek political asylum, and these women felt once more incredibly vulnerable, much of their own pain and trauma re-triggered by their leaders' invasion of Ukraine. 
And they were also worried about what people here would think of them, knowing they were Russian. Would people think that they supported this invasion? Would they now be made to feel unwelcome? They had so many questions, such desperation and fear. We as a Grow Baby team felt compelled to show God's love to these amazing women and their families. A beautiful mural had been painted on a wall in Cardiff in response to the invasion. So this is what Jerry says. We took a photo of it, printed some copies and placed them inside cards that said simply, you are loved with messages of encouragement and prayers written inside. The next week, we gave these ladies these cards along with bunches of stunning daffodils. Our relationships with each of these women deepened significantly during this time as they opened up and shared about their lives and experience. Many hugs were shared and they were the first of many. What a story about what it is to be a graceful community. Come as you are. Come and encounter the love of Jesus, his grace that is on offer for you. And one way that we continue to invite people in is through Alpha. We've had, if you remember, we had that party here with Base 12 that evening. Over 200 people came where we promoted our Alpha courses. Last year, about 25 people came to the three Alpha courses that we ran. That's 25 people coming, learning more about the message of Jesus. But as we always say, come as you are, but let's not stay as we are. As a church, we recognize that we are all on a journey of transformation. That's what it means to be disciples of Jesus. And everyone that joins us is invited into that process of transformation. You know, we want this to be a community that learns to live like Jesus, where we grow and mature, living more and more in the freedom that comes from a life lived with him. And so we've continued to press into our Live Like Jesus discipleship framework last year to help us do this. And we're going to keep doing that this year too. We think it's really, really important. And this is not just about our inner transformation, although that is really important. But instead, we recognize that as we are transformed, we then bring transformation to the world around us. That we become disciples who make disciples. Disciples who more and more live out the Great Commission. So here at this church, we take discipleship both seriously and joyfully. And our small groups continue to be an integral part of how we do this, how we grow in our discipleship. At the end of last year, we had about 45 small groups running across the church with about 400 people signed up to those groups. And we want everyone who would call this church home to be in a small group in this church. So if you're not in one, why don't you sign up? The truth is... That meeting here on a Sunday is not really enough connection to community in order to grow our faith. Can you imagine the early church and the disciples just meeting a couple of times a month? It just didn't, wouldn't happen. We need each other. We are called to deep community, to live life together, to celebrate with one another and to grieve when it's tough. And small groups are right at the heart of how we do this. We had this story here in from Emma, who's part of this central evening service, which just illustrates the power of being in a small group community. This is what she said. My husband and I arrived in Cardiff in August last year. We were feeling very broken, hurting and lonely, having come from a difficult church experience. Also, having married in the middle of a pandemic, community was hard to come by. We were desperate for real friends that we could walk with and run with in our faith. When we heard about small groups, we knew this was God's provision for us, so we jumped at the chance to join a group. And we had no idea what to expect, but within only a few weeks of arriving in a new city, not knowing anyone, we suddenly had a community that not only knew our names, but embraced us and our story. 
They loved us and we loved them. I know it's a bit of a cliche, she says, but genuinely, and I do not say this lightly, this group of people turned Cardiff from a city we just lived in into a home. This past year has not been an easy one by any means, but our small group has been our lifeline. They've prayed with us, encouraged us, cried with us and laughed with us. From our weekly Thursday night catch-ups, Bible readings and prayer to fun, spontaneous socials, this group of incredibly exceptional people have shown us so much of the kindness and love of God and our hearts are so full because of it. I cannot express how important, formative and life-giving having a community like small group has been. That's amazing, isn't it? If you are not in a small group, let that drive you to sign up this evening. So firstly, as a church, we are called to be a grace-filled community. Secondly, we are called to be kingdom carriers. We invite people in, but we also go out. In the Great Commission, notice what Jesus says here in verse 18, the end of it, verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Go and make disciples of all nations. The king gives us his authority to extend the kingdom and then says, go. So go. Jesus says. And you know, it's been amazing this last year to hear story after story of this happening. People in our community going out to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God, going out to tell people about Jesus and making disciples. Our street cafe team goes out most Sundays during our central morning service. I know loads of you guys that come here then come to us in the morning and do our uh, street cafe. And then they, the guys go to Albany Road, they hand out coffees, um, chat to people, offer to pray. And they've also built up relationships with people who work in the shops on a Sunday morning. They've got to know them, offer them a coffee as well. Last year, I got this message from Sim, who is part of the team. And he shared this story after one morning. This is what he sent me. Today on Street Cafe, we went into Superdrug and got the guys working there their normal drinks order. One of our team shared the gospel with one of them, after which he responded saying a prayer to give his life to God. We went back to the Street Cafe and two of the ladies who we have been praying and chatting with who work in the British Heart Foundation came out of the shop for a cup of tea. We got to chat and I shared how awesome Jesus was and what he had done for them. Anyway, just before going, one of the ladies asked what church I go to and said she would like to come. It was so encouraging because it just shows that Jesus' love shines through as we love people and listen to them and show them that we care. Just this past week, we had an amazing story from Open Door. Open Door is one of our Restore projects and is a Friday morning church gathering for those amongst our homeless or vulnerably housed community who want to explore faith. And both Gareth from our west site and Colin from our central site, they went along and they shared to the people there their stories of coming to faith and what Jesus had done in their life. And a young man listening then and there just responded by giving his life to Jesus. I just, I've also just loved, we've had some amazing healing stories of people, oh sorry, so we've had some amazing stories of people just extending their, the kingdom in their everyday lives, just in everyday moments as they go about their day. We had this story from Alistair in our north site. He said this, in June of last year, my wife, Marion and I went to Tunisia for a week by the pool. It's amazing, that's not the end of the story. <laughs> I'm in for that, amen to that. I'm not a big reader, he says, but a quiet holiday by the pool was a good chance to read. This says everything you need to know about Alistair. The book I chose was Jesus at the Door by Scott McNamara. And if you don't know that uh, book, through it, Scott McNamara just outlines like, a way to start conversation with people and lead them through uh, nine steps um, 
through this conversation, culminating in them saying yes to Jesus at the door of their life. So this is what Alistair says, I felt the Holy Spirit really strongly upon me as I started reading. Part of the book was a detachable card with Revelation 3.20 written on it and the image that's in that verse of Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. On the first day, we settled in amongst all the other guests. God prompted me that one person in particular was important, but I didn't know why. Her name was Carla. In the late afternoon, I sat at the pool bar, ordered a drink and prayed. Within a few minutes, Carla sat next to me on my right. We chatted briefly. Then I described the image of Jesus knocking at the door of her heart. I love this. He says, I couldn't take the card with me into the pool as it would get wet. Okay. <laughs> I found conversation flowed. And before I knew it, I was praying for the Holy Spirit to fill her, which is step eight in Jesus at the door. And after I'd prayed, she said she had felt electricity. She then opened the door to Jesus and we prayed together. We chatted a little more, then she left. Then I turned to my left and there was a Dutch guy called Geordie who thankfully could speak fluent English. I started going through the nine steps of Jesus at the door with him and again quickly found myself on step eight praying for the Holy Spirit. Geordie afterwards said he felt a real peace come over him. He too opened the door to Jesus. Two people came to faith in one hour. Wow, in his book... Um, Scott McNamara says all people are like apples on a tree some are ripe and some are not in our partnership with God we share and he shakes the tree I now regularly go into Cardiff where I share and God shakes come and join me he says it's easier than you think I love that wow the kingdom of God is at hand isn't it we've also had some incredible stories of healing this past year at the baptism on the beach, our West site did a baptism on the beach. Oh, yes, I know. And um, a gentleman who goes there, a guy called Nathan, shared this amazing story of healing in his life. These are his words. Recently, God saved my life in a horrendous car accident while my, where my tire blew whilst I was traveling home from an event. I found myself completely alone in the hospital bed in the trauma unit. I didn't know why I was there or whether I would walk again. I became aware that there were angels at my bedside and I heard their beating wings and the tangible hand of God on my chest. My son's name is Rory and God whispered, Rory, play to me. It was so audible, so real and so incredible that God chose not only to save me, but touch me and speak to me. And now Nathan went on to make a miraculous recovery and the doctors, having wondered if he would walk again, came out of the hospital that evening and he's now back to full health, full-time work, playing with Rory. We also had this story in from Lucy, who's one of our young, our young adults that comes here to this evening service. She has had ongoing issues with her back. And this is her story, which starts when she was at the Course to Live For conference, the Vineyard National Conference for Students 20s and 30s. And this is what Lucy says. Course to live for was amazing, but my back was hurting, so I couldn't stand for very long, and I was dreading the drive back to Cardiff later that night. I knew if I asked for prayer, I would end up crying and feel even worse. I also had doubts that God would or could help me. In ministry time, at the end of the last session, the speaker said, I just had an image that someone in this room has a problem with their back, and it's someone on that side of the room pointing to the side where I was. My head was thinking, nope, I'm not in the space of prayer right now. That's just not happening. But then I looked at my friends and I said, I think that's me. And we laughed and they then prayed for me. 
But nothing happened. I still had the back pain. Then the lady on the stage said, I feel like there's someone here with pain between their shoulder blades. And we all looked at each other and laughed. Kitty, our student pastor, she had now joined us. And she said, right, we're going to try this again. And they proceeded to pray for me again. And during that prayer, the main spot of pain disappeared. One minute it was there and the next it was gone. I was healed. God was there in that moment and he saw my doubts and he saw my pain and he said, I am all powerful. And then Lucy continues, then two Sundays ago, my back was playing up again. It was coming up to ministry time here at the end of the evening service and I debated going up and asking for prayer for my back. Again, I was having doubts. Would God hear me? And could I ask for such a miracle again? I looked around and I saw Kitty who came and prayed for my back. And yet again, God proved me wrong and he healed me. My pain was gone again despite my doubts. He was definitely telling me to trust in him and to stop doubting because he can do anything. Even when you're not feeling the Holy Spirit, he is present. And if you ask, he will help. Oh, what amazing stories, eh? This is what it means to partner with Jesus in his kingdom mission. We have that same authority that he had to go and do likewise. We are to be kingdom carriers. Thirdly, we want to be a community of shameless worshippers. Worship is to be our highest priority. As I said at the start, he will be exalted. And as we encounter Jesus, what else can we do but worship him? You know, we've had moments in our Sunday gatherings, especially I can think of some times last year here in the evening service, where we've just not been able to stop worshipping. What else can we do? And this isn't just worship amongst the grown-ups. I remember um, last year, one of our staff meetings, Leanne, our mini-kids pastor, she was full of emotion as she shared how on one, the Sunday before, she'd walked over to one of our kids' groups. And on the way there, she could hear them worshipping their socks off. Hearing them singing, He is Alive, from the song Happy Day was amazing she said. Our kids love to worship. As do our youth. This year they formed a youth band, which is something that the team have had a vision to see happen for a really long time. They led worship at their youth weekend away. The last set was entirely entirely youth-led, and I hear it was amazing. We just love to worship. We often hear stories of people that have come to us on a Sunday, maybe for the first time, and it is through our worship that they encounter God. I love this story that we had in from Richard who comes to our central morning service, he was having a really, really rough time, especially over lockdown. And he'd started volunteering at a charity called Rainbow of Hope, whose building we now use for Open Door, for our Open Door service on a Friday morning. And he met Mark and Pete there, the guys that run that, and they invited him to come to Vineyard on the Sunday. And this is what Richard says. Plucking up every vestige of courage I could muster, I walked up to the doors of the gate one Sunday morning, full of apprehension and fear. Seeing Pete on the door almost instantly dissolved my anxiety and I walked in. I knew as soon as the worship started that this very church was what I had been looking for all my life and did not know existed. I felt a true connection to God's realm through the worship almost instantly. It transcended anything I'd ever experienced in anything previously. In a short time, I was integrating with new people and also some of the Open Door team I'd already got to know. And he says here, culminating in my joining three of the four host teams. Oh yes, what a servant. I truly have found my home within God's home and with his people. Joe, back in October, we ran our Exalt Him event. I know loads of you were involved in that. It was 48 hours of continuous prayer and worship. It was amazing, wasn't it? The whole church, it was across the whole church, all coming here 
for 48 hours of prayer and worship. And that is just part of our vision to see this space be a place of a house of prayer and worship for the nations. And during this event, there were three young people outside who knocked on the door and wanted to know what was going on. Sam, our worship pastor, he invited them in and they came up and experienced the worship for themselves. That is what we want to see, people being drawn in as we worship God and then encountering him for themselves. We are to be shameless worshippers. Fourthly, we are to be courageously compassionate. God's heart is for the last, the least, the lost. So we meet the needs of this city, whatever it takes. And the needs in our city are enormous and are growing. We have been called as God's people to be the hand and feet of Jesus. In Galatians 2.10, Paul says, Whatever you do, remember the poor. Scripture makes it really clear that courageous compassion for us is not an optional extra. It's central to the gospel message. Our Restore ministry currently runs five projects. Tiadva, which is a supported house for men who are wanting to move on from homelessness and vulnerable housing. Blend, which provides like a warm welcome, along with coffee and cake for those seeking refuge and asylum here in Cardiff. A food co-op, which provides a weekly affordable shop for local families struggling with food poverty. And then Grow Baby and Open Door, which I've already mentioned. I mean, the stories that come out of these projects, they are just too many to do justice to here. But I just want to share a couple now with you. The first is another from Joey, who leads our Grow Baby project. And she says this, she's called this one, A Healed Heart. And she says this, a really exciting story over the last few months is that of a Sudanese lady who, for the purpose of telling this story, I will call Huda. Huda was a mum of four young children who had been attending Grow Baby from time to time over the years. She is a big personality and has the best smile. Her face lights up a room. And Jerry says, recently she began to attend almost every week and was around six months pregnant with her fifth child. She knew that she was expecting a baby girl and she shared with us that the baby had been antenatally diagnosed with a complex and potentially very serious heart condition and would likely need to be transferred to the neonatal intensive care unit following delivery and she would need urgent surgery. Hood was understandably very apprehensive and anxious about this. She was so appreciative when we told her that the whole Grow Baby team was praying for this precious unborn baby, for her healing and for peace for the whole family. Approaching delivery, Huda came along faithfully to Grow Baby every week. We were able to help her prepare for her baby's birth by supplying her with many new items of equipment and clothing. Also, in this time, her washing machine broke down and a Grow Baby volunteer delivered her a second-hand washing machine, which she was so grateful for. When Huda was drawing close to her delivery date, we decided to throw her a baby shower. This is now a new Grow Baby Cardiff tradition, something we will continue to do for all our regular mums as and when new babies are due. At the shower that Friday morning, we put up decorations, had some cake, and gave her a couple of special gifts, including a change bag that she needed. The team had all written a card for her, including many prayers for her unborn baby. And that morning, as everyone else continued to play, natter, and eat cake, a couple of us were able to quietly pray for Huda and for her baby's safe arrival. Needless to say, we were absolutely delighted to hear news not only of her baby's arrival, but also the absolutely wonderful news that her baby had been born perfectly healthy with no need for neonatal ITU and no need for any surgery. Jerry says, praise God, for he is able to do immeasurably more than we can even begin to imagine. As a team, we've been able to share this joy with Huda and have cuddles with her beautiful, healthy baby girl. 
That's beautiful, isn't it? The second story comes from Jackie, who leads our Blend project. And this is what Jackie says. One Saturday morning, last term at Blend, I popped outside for some fresh air and I saw a Muslim lady on the corner with three children. She seemed quite lost and was looking all around whilst her children were pestering her and looking fed up. I tried to catch her eyes. I thought maybe she was looking for Blend, but she turned and went back the way she came around the corner. I went after her, but she was a fast walker. So I shouted, hey, to no avail. And so went with a loud, assalamu alaikum, an Arabic Islamic greeting. They all stopped and turned around. And the children ran up to me with mum following, clutching a bag of very sad looking sandwiches. The children spoke enough English for me to be able to invite them all into blend with a promise of a warm welcome, cake and people to chat to. It transpired that mum, Huda, and the children were asylum seekers from Libya and had arrived in Cardiff only that very morning. They had been placed in emergency accommodation in a hotel in the city centre and were given just the sandwiches, which equated to half a sandwich each, and some directions. They did not know where they were or where to get help. Two Arabic-speaking ladies at Blend sat and chatted with Huda, it's another Huda, over a coffee, whilst we gave the children activities and cake. We were able to refer her to local organisations that could help her with hot meals, clothes, English classes and activities. Huda was delighted and repeatedly thanked us. She swapped numbers with the ladies and went away with some extra cake for later. Huda and her children were moved out of Cardiff shortly after that, so although we didn't see them again, we were happy to have been able to welcome her and support her. We are to be courageously compassionate. Finally, we are to be a community that is outrageously generous. We want to be a people that are defined by our generosity, both to each other and then into this city and beyond. You know, generosity comes from an overflow of our hearts, hearts that know and understand the grace of Jesus and all that he has given us. Freely we've received, freely we give. And while this is a generous church, there are stories across our church that demonstrate this both on an individual and a collective level, both within the church and generosity to those outside the church. Stories of cars being given to people, money being given for student tuition fees, a plane ticket bought for someone so they could get home to visit their desperately poorly mum. I love the story um, just before Christmas regarding our gift for Christmas packs. If you remember at Christmas just gone, we asked uh, you all to donate gift bags containing specified items to then give out through our restore projects for Christmas presents for people. And as well as giving these items, we said to people, well, look, you can also give a financial donation instead, if that's easier. So after all the bags had come in, and wow, did they all come in, there was loads of them. Amy, who is part of our restore team, she then went out to buy the last few items needed to finish off all these bags. And she spent £409 extra that day, only then to come back and find out from our finance team that the extra money that had been donated came to £414. Amazing, £5 to spare. In May last year, we launched our He Will Be Exalted giving campaign. You may recall, as a church last year, we had the opportunity to buy the gate, which we have now done. Amazing. Which, as well as being the Sunday venue here for this central site, is also used throughout the week for the staff team, but also for the whole church as we do ministry and as we reach out to this community. So we needed money to be able to buy the gate. And as well as this, we also wanted to have funds to be able to develop all of our sites, north, west and central, and to invest in future leaders. 
And you may recall, it was a bit of a strange time. James broke his knee. James, our senior pastor, broke his knee literally just before we started that preaching and vision series. His first talk at home was his first talk. Instead, he was, the plan was for him to go across all four, all three sites to all four services that first Sunday. It'd never been done before, and that's what the plan was. And then instead, he broke his knee, and his first talk was filled at home, filmed at home. He was feeling rather subdued at home on the sofa with his leg propped up. If you remember, we looked at, over that time, the story of 1 Chronicles, where the people of Israel give to see the temple built. And if you know, remember the story, every person gave, and like the, the, the gifts just came flowing in to go towards the temple. And that's kind of what seemed to happen amongst this community in that season. We needed to raise £298,000, so not a small amount, but we ended up with over £312,000 from that giving campaign. This is an outrageously generous church. And I remember sharing this story during that time, which just illustrates what an outrageous, what outrageous generosity looks like. A family in our church had been talking to their kids about the giving campaign and about our church vision. And these children were so excited and they said, Mummy, can we give? Can we give? And one of them went and emptied her piggy bank, bringing the contents to church and handing it over to Gemma, our kids' pastor, the next Sunday. Isn't that a picture of what it is to be outrageously generous? He has given all to us, so what can we do but give back? Now, it's worth saying that some of you may have joined the church recently, or you may be visiting this evening, um, and that's fine. But you know, if you would call this church home, if you consider that this is like your church family, we would love to invite you to give regularly. On the seats are some outrageous generosity flyers that you can fill out in order to do that. Or you can go online on our website if you want to start giving regularly to us. You know, if you don't yet give to us, then you are invited to consider doing so. Or maybe you already give, but you can increase that giving. Or maybe you just want to give a one-off gift. That is fine. We would love to invite you on that journey. It is such a privilege to give. I mean, sometimes it can feel like a favor asking, but it's not. It's a privilege to give to the king and his kingdom, to bring our offerings to God and to see him take them and use them for his kingdom. And you know, as I've prepared this talk, I've just been so humbled by the stories of God moving through our community. I'm blown away by all that God has done. As I've heard the stories, I thought, this is a church I want to be a part of. So from the bottom of my heart, I want to say a massive thank you to all of you that have played your part, whatever that looks like. Now, as I said at the beginning, I would not want to give the impression that this is for our glory. All that we've done well as a church is him. It's for his glory and by his power. Nor would I want to give the impression that we are like a perfect church or anything. Far from it. I'm sure some of you will realize that. But you know what? We're going to keep trying our best, all of us in this together. Because we believe that he is commissioning us to go again, to continue to share the gospel, to see the kingdom spread, to become disciples who see communities transformed, to see this city restored and this nation renewed. Can I just invite you to stand if you're able and we'll pray. The band are going to come back up and I just want the the first thing we're going to do is respond in worship. That is going to be our first response because as we hear those stories, as we encounter Jesus through those stories, our response should be to worship. So we're just going to worship and declare his praise. I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come as we do so. So maybe you just want to put your hands out. If you want to say yes to God with your physical body to allow him to come and do something within you, it's just a good way of doing that. Just put your hands out and say yes. Come Holy Spirit, come. And Lord, we just give you all the glory. And Lord, I just thank you for every single one of those stories. And all the ones that we couldn't share. But Lord, we recognize that it is, your, it is for your glory. It is you moving. 
Jesus, this is not for our glory. So Lord, come fill us again. Holy Spirit, come now. Come, Holy Spirit, come. And we're just going to worship him now. And as we worship, I just would invite the Holy Spirit to come and, and commission us again to go, to give you the kingdom authority you need to go and make disciples. So come, come Holy Spirit, come fall on us now. Jesus, we give you all the glory.